Hey, it's Andrea. Today, Tasha is back. We dive into what is arguably the best TNG episode ever made. And we ask the question, how did we not know about the Bechdel test? Come nerd out with us. Welcome to the TNG podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek, the next generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. I'm your co-host, Andrea, and today I am so flippin' excited, Cherise, to talk about one of, hands down, top 10, if not top 5 episodes of all of TNG. It is here, guys. It's yesterday's Enterprise. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, no, wait. We need a different sound. (laughs) (laughs) This is not a bum, bum, bum. This This is is like whatever. We don't have an excited sound effect. We need like a little, like, you know what? I'll find one and I'll put it right here. This episode <laughs> was written by Trent Christopher Ganino and Eric A. Stilwell and directed by David Carson. It is star date 43635.2. While investigating a temporal rift, the Enterprise encounters a ghost from its own past, the USS Enterprise C, which travels 22 years in the future and changes the course of history. With the flow of history changed, Tasha Yar still lives and the Federation is losing a decades-long war with the Klingon Empire. Now we can insert the bum-bum-bum. That's a big <laughs> fucking bum-bum-bum. Oh my it gosh, is. So good. I'm so excited to talk about today's episode. It's Yeah, I would agree with you, probably top 10. Um, I don't know how many more times we're going to say top 10, but this is probably... At our- least 14. Yeah, but I think this is our first time saying top 10 episodes of all time. Our last one was Deja Q, where we said that was the best Q episode of all time. Yes, and, but and my personal the, favorite because it's like fun, but 100%. this is arguably like one of the best. But regardless, before yeah. we super get into that, Sharice, we've got a seriously amazing human being with us. Can you talk him in and we can talk episode? Yes, I'm super pumped. We have with us today my buddy, David L. White, who is a voice artist and a video producer from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, he's also a big, big Trekkie. He's seen every single Star Trek series that there is multiple times, which means he's our kind of people. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he watched the original series as a kid and he's kept up with it all throughout today because we all know this series has been rebooted three times in the past, like three years. So he's continuing <laughs> to watch it today. Um, and when he's not doing amazing work like that, he's also a husband, a father and a grandfather. David, welcome oh. to the show. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. And if you can David. hear his amazing voice, like you see why he does voiceover work, right? I, I'm going to be so like ashamed when I re-listen to this episode okay. about my voice. Sharice, <laughs> you literally just read my thoughts because David's over here with this rich baritone and I'm like, hey, I'm Andrea in today's episode. Like it's just, he likes you know. Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to cut that out. But, <laughs> but Absolutely. No, David, thank you for already making us ashamed of our voices. <laughs> and welcome. Welcome to the uh, podcast. Shame, no shame in my game. That's just the way to do it. <laughs> so tell us, before we get into this episode, who is your favorite TNG character? I don't know about favorite, but I definitely have to say I identify with Jordy. Ooh, Ooh. Tell us why. I'm not the smoothest guy out there. <laughs> Uh, but I can troubleshoot the living Hades out of nearly anything. Oh, okay. Yeah, you are Jordy. That's Jordy. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And who doesn't like Jordy? Only monsters. 
Seriously. <laughs> seriously. Well, also, you know, I think all the guests that we have had, we've asked favorites and the default favorite that we have had to like disqualify is like Picard because who doesn't love Picard? Mm-hmm. But I would say, honestly, the name that people choose next is Jordy mm-hmm. and like haven't had a lot of love for Wesley yet. <laughs> Not yet. But Matter of time. There might be, there might be, but yeah, no, Jordy really gets a ton of love. I think that's amazing. Um, so David, as our guest, we'll start with you. Do you have initial thoughts on this episode or some like overall thoughts on this episode? What's your vibe on it? Well, I mean, spoilers, this episode is pivotal. It's absolutely huge for many, many reasons. Okay. And one of the biggest pivotal reasons is this is where Worf is introduced to prune juice. <laughs> we need that we need that celebration sound again right there. Here, there we go. There we go. <laughs> yes, and like that's that is really funny because that part of him being like it's a warrior's drink just it just makes me laugh every time. And you're just like, man, Worf just has like the worst taste in food and drink. Like it never, it never fails. He's always like, he was really into those weird eggs that Riker made in season one. Oh, one eggs. Do you remember that where everyone took like one bite and they were like, mm, yeah, that was good. the Pulaski days. Yeah. Oh, yeah he no, made the Owan eggs. Mm-hmm. And I'm still <laughs> mad that he was using literally the most nonstick pan in the history of man. It's the 24th century. It's okay. As a culinary, it makes me mad. That's all I'm going to say. But David, please keep going. <laughs> Well, uh, beyond that point, it, it obviously is a very pivotal episode. Uh, it was shot incredibly well. It is just, oh yeah, it is such a a nice departure from the standard episode. It's got some, you know, great interaction. I, 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 I this is the one episode that I specifically remember watching the day it came out. Whoa. Mm-hmm. The because I missed the cold open. Well, I missed the first half of the cold open, and so uh-huh. I turned the television on downstairs after high school one whatever one weekend. I was eighteen when this show or seventeen when this show started, so um, I was Wesley's age and or ish, and so. Mm-hmm. But I turned it on, and it's basically mirror universe Picard mm-hmm. kind of thing, mm-hmm. and I'm yeah. like. What I've missed, I mean, I'd missed a week or two of episodes and I'm like, what has happened? <laughs> yeah. And there's no TiVo no. in 1990. Right. <laughs> it's like, no. what's happening? No. You turn I on the screen rewind. and suddenly yeah. Yar is back, that costumes yeah. are different, the lighting is different, and suddenly they're at war with the Klingons. You're like, what did I miss in the past two weeks? What mm-hmm. was going on? <laughs> yeah, well, I was really, really confused and started to kind of catch on, apparently. But, but again, there's so many people that can put themselves in a moment when they did a thing and saw something. Mm. That's only one of the few that I specifically remember. Wow. That is really cool. You know, we all have those, like, I remember exactly where I was when XYZ Mm -hmm. happened and yesterday's enterprise being one of those, that is just such a cool memory that so many of us like don't get. I mean, I remember where I was when I watched Deja Q for the first time. And that to me is like so special, but mm. yesterday's enterprise is amazing. Sharice, initial thoughts on this epic episode. We haven't even gotten into it yet. We're already no. like 30 minutes in. <laughs> yep. That's, sometimes that's how we roll though. If you're listening yeah. to our show, you already know that about us. Um, <laughs> my, I don't have any initial thoughts that I wrote in my notes, 
But my first line was Guinan is back. And I just get so <laughs> excited whenever I see Guinan and in my memory. So this is, this is a weird thing in my memory. I felt like I always feel like Tasha Yar was only on the show for like six episodes. And then as you and yeah. I discovered doing this, doing this 20 cast, yeah. turns out it was 22. So it was a few more yeah. than I remembered, but I only remembered like six episodes, probably because I only watched six episodes of season one. But Guinan, in my memory, was in every episode. Mm-hmm. And really, she's the one who's in like six episodes or less. She's not She's not often there, but when she is, you feel her presence. Um, she's kind of like the anti-Troy in that way. She's like super useful. She only comes onto the scene when she's got something important to do or say. And then you don't see her anymore. And so, yeah, I was just, I was just so excited. So um, overall thoughts, this episode's going to be amazing. I'm so excited to talk about it. Um, and Guinan's back. What about you, Andrea? Oh my God, 100%. I felt the same way about Guinan. And then Tasha was like, ah, Tasha's back. And I thought that that was so special. So I really, really love alternate timeline episodes. I think they're so much fun. Um, It allows you to play with the idea of like what could have been Mm -hmm. without like canonically damaging the known timeline. So I think it's just such a fun way to get to like play with characters and explore in the parallel universe episode that Worf is in, in like season six or seven. Oh yeah. Troy are married. Right. Where it's Mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, you get to see like what might. And in that episode, there's like a splinter in time. So he ends up jumping through like 30 different versions of his life. And you're like, Mm -hmm. Oh, 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 Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, alternate timeline episodes were like all the rage in this decade. Um, Sliding Doors, the Gwyneth Paltrow film came out in 98. And then a play on that in another show that I really love so much, Frasier, they did Sliding Frasiers where he was living in these like two alternate timelines where he like mm-hmm. asked a woman out or didn't ask a woman out. And like both, you know, it jumps back and forth between like how miserable he is without her and then how happy he is with her. And then it all comes back at the end where she dumps him anyway. He <laughs> like, just ends up right where he started. So it doesn't like mess the timeline. Just like Sliding but, Doors. It yeah. all comes back to exactly where it was supposed to be, which is it, so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and totally. I know Andrea, and, you yeah. hate the time stone idea. You hate the I idea do. of something happens, everybody dies, and then someone just goes time stone, and it's just yeah, like it just erased. feels like lazy writing. This is yeah. the opposite of that. It's like mm-hmm. let's explore what these characters could be, what Starfleet could be, and all of this without like damaging the the like known timeline. A couple of little bits of trivia before we jump in. This episode won an Emmy for outstanding sound editing for a series, which I thought hmm. was pretty cool. There were a lot of little Easter eggs all throughout this episode, like the differences between alternate, you know, enterprise and like the enterprise we know. So we'll get into that. Um, And Ronald D. Moore, who's one of the top writers on TNG said, quote, we brought Denise back to kill off Tasha Yar for a second time. It was a great opportunity to send the character off in a big heroic sacrifice because nobody was really happy with the way she left the series in the first season. Mm -hmm. Nobody on the show liked it. The fans didn't like it. And I'm sure she even really, you know, liked it. So yesterday's enterprise was the perfect chance to kill her off. Right. And I thought that was so great. And I found that from um, Chronicles of the final frontier, it was in the special DVD features for season four. Mm. Um, But what a lovely way to be like, yeah. uh, Skin of evil was trash. It was trash. Killing her off with a car monster was really stupid. Yeah. And I think killing her off in this heroic sacrifice where she's not being murdered, but she's choosing to die to like, save the time. 
that is Tasha. That is who she is. So this death makes sense. Yeah. And and something I would say about her, Denise Crosby's appearance, uh, more so than Tasha, quote unquote, she was so much a better character in this episode than oh my god she, she had so much more agency she was she was given a role to play as opposed mm-hmm. to being the wallflower kind of thing on the first season or being yeah. worth which is pretty much who she was right where she's just yeah. shoot, shoot stuff and says captain shields whatever now she got to act yeah right. you know i actually i think you're absolutely right so for 22 episodes her basic lines were hailing frequencies open over and over again, right? <laughs> That's all she really said. And then she jumped over some shit and jumped and, and like sh- shot, shot some something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. But since season one, episode 22, to now we're in season three, episode 15, the characters have grown and developed so much. And I love that the writers gave her that development without all the like growing pains that like everybody else kind of had to go through. She just jumped right to the front of the line and got all this development. And it was freaking fantastic. Um let's shall we start review i mean let's do it from the prune prune juice is like the perfect place (laughs) to talk about this um so they're in guinan is in 10 forward with Worf, and she seems like she's been like trying some drinks out on him where she's like try Mm -hmm. this one he's like and he loves it and he's like warrior's drink (laughs) and it's prune juice (laughs) which i think is just so perfect because it's like we give this to babies and old people (laughs) (laughs) not a lot of samurais out there drinking prune juice but maybe we don't know we don't know well if if you can stomach raw gawk yeah true then prune juice juice is heaven fine yeah yeah (laughs) or cooked gawk I think either way, that's not yeah. that's not something I would want to enjoy. How about just gawk in general? Yeah. Yeah. The name <laughs> itself tells you do not eat this. Yeah. It actually reminds <laughs> me of Galaxy Quest. And where oh, the, yeah. yeah, where the guy's just eating like basically gawk is what he's eating. Yeah. And he's just they were like, We prepared foods from your home world. And the, the main guy's eating like a steak. Yeah. Do you like your tech mob like ticks, Dr. Lazarus? I forget, I forget what he said, but it was just hilarious. Anyways, yeah. Then Guinan starts having this little chat with Worf about, you know, finding a female companion. And he's just like, oh, human females are too frail and I'll break them in half or whatever. And Guinan says this line where she's like, well, I know a few women on the ship who would find you tame. And he's like, mm-hmm. ha, never. And yeah. I actually heard um, Michael Dorn, who plays Worf, talk about this particular topic. We're in one of the panels I watched on, on YouTube. And uh, he said that Worf is always going on and on about how he needs a Klingon woman. And he never ends up with a Klingon woman, except for, you know, Kalar. Kalar, who was like half Klingon, but really she's Klingon. Like Kalar, yeah. yes, the love of his, his life, yes. But throughout the series, he's always falling for Earth women or like, you know, even Beta in you know, Yeah, or in, <laughs> in Deep Space Nine, right? He does not marry a Klingon. So he just was kind of like, he's always going on and on about how it's got to be a Klingon woman. He don't, he don't get it with Klingon women. So I just thought that was really funny, <laughs> this line right here. Yeah. Worf isn't really aware of his own type, maybe. I don't That's know. That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. But I love that guy and goes, drink your prune juice, Worf. That's <laughs> like, this is just the perfect, like, mommy needs you to go to bed now and just be quiet. Like, it was so great. So as this is happening, we see this, like, temporal displacement appear in front of the ship. And 
Worf has to, you know, report to the bridge and report to duty to, you know, whatever. And Guinan, I love that, like, there is just something special about her race of people where she looks at this displacement and she goes, no, like, it can't be. And I love that everybody else is like, what's that? <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden. This, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, she knows that something is up. And Worf is now on, on the bridge and this distortion is difficult for the sensors to read. It doesn't have an event horizon. They can't really detect how far it is or how close it is. And it's there and it's not there. It's a little bit like Schrodinger's wormhole. <laughs> it's like, it's both there and it's also not <laughs> there. Um, and so I love I that. I love that reference so <laughs> Thank <you>. much. <laughs> Thank you. I took physics. Okay, so... <laughs> So we get this really fantastic tight shot on Picard several times this mm-hmm. episode. And the first one is at two minutes, 24 seconds. And it shows him looking forward. And then he turns around to reveal his security chief, which is Worf, giving some information. And this shot is mirrored again when he turns around and reveals its yar. So a ship starts coming out of this distortion And there is like what I can best describe as kind of a phase shift aboard the Enterprise where things Mm kind of get fuzzy on screen. And then suddenly we're back on that same exact tight shot at two minutes and 43 seconds. But when he turns around, it's Tasha giving information. And I was like, oh, my God, she's back. She's back. And they like they dim the lights and turn them blue and change the outfit. So when they turn back, you're like, you know, something happened, but you don't know what until he turns his head and you're like what holy shit tasha's there yes Yes. yeah the lighting is darker everything is totally off now yeah the bridge is blue it's much more it looks so cool yeah i was like i think the bridge is the white light i like the i like the yeah it looks it looks way cooler um it's got the battle bridge look or the the enterprise it is it looks like the battle bridge look and it looks so cool david i want to know very utilitarian yeah what were you thinking that in that moment when Picard looks over and it's Yar, what was your reaction? Knowing that you've seen this episode a million times, but what was your reaction this time? Well, again, I had no idea what was going on. I was like, oh my goodness, I've, I've really missed something here because and she's dead. But no. <laughs> but you're supposed to be dead. haunted. I, I wasn't, I wasn't, okay, no, nobody, nobody chased me down, but I wasn't a big fan of Yar and wasn't too disappointed when she disappeared earlier but again she came back and she really made a difference in in this episode and was able to just drop in as if nothing happened what's fascinating here is and we'll talk about this later but these people have lived an entire lifetime Mm -hmm. in this timeline Mm -hmm. yes yes which makes future decisions very difficult Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that a hundred percent. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that. Cherise, same question, though, to you. Like, first time you remember seeing this or even mm-hmm. in rewatching this for this podcast, what do you feel like when he turns around and it's Yar with, by the way, badass hair? Yes. I love her. Always. I love the difference in her hair. Yeah. Always. I mean, she always, she always looks, looks great. Great. Yeah. But what, what was your what was your feel? I, I don't remember when I first saw this episode, but when I was rewatching it, I just remember having the emotion that I just said about the bridge looking so cool. Like when everything just was yeah. like room and the, and the blue lights came on and they had the new outfits and Yar was there. And I was like, what just happened to Worf? Why is mm-hmm. Yar there? And I just I just thought it looked so cool. Like just the scene itself was very breathtaking. 
And it was like a nice shock. It wasn't a scary shock, right? It was like, Ooh, this is pretty. And then you're like, what? It was like a very pleasant experience. What about you, Andrea? I mean, same where I was like, she's back. She's back. Oh my God. It's your, you know, and I wasn't crazy about Yar in season one. Again, it was very, she was just like Yar's fault. It's season one's fault. It's season one writing fault. It absolutely is. I just wasn't, you know, her character didn't stick with me, but this one, I was like, she's a badass. She mm-hmm. knows what she's about. She's very much got that same skeleton as Yar from season mm-hmm. one, who's like very tough and whatever, but she's also like more developed. She's more human, dare well I say. Rounded. Yeah. Well-rounded. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, And I love seeing the difference too, where you're like, whoa, the bridge is blue. They have more militaristic uniforms. They're all wearing a phaser. A lot of them have like little like straps. Um, mm. And one little tiny thing about the more militaristic uniforms is without the straps and without the phaser, it's basically the same uniform, except their normal stand-up collar goes down in the middle, mm-hmm. down to like your like collarbone. But these ones kind of go straight across. It's like a thick band mm. all the way around that doesn't go down, which I feel like is got to be so uncomfortable as an actor. You're like poking mm-hmm. yourself constantly on your collar. But I was like, ooh, that's really cool. And I found a little continuity error that I'll talk about later when we get there that I was like, that's a stand-up collar and that's not supposed to be there. <laughs> uh, in, yeah. in my note, I realized that all the uh, junior crew got uh, – School crossing guard sashes. Yeah. <laughs> but everybody got the action belt with the yes. holster on the side. You saw that? Yeah. That was with the, with, and it was the uh, insignia, the, the Starfleet insignia. Yeah, like across the front. Yeah, that was really cool. I like that you called it an action belt. Yeah, it was like a Batman belt. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, okay. Couple other things. Nobody else seems to notice that there's a difference. Mm-hmm. They're all just at battle stations. They're just living the life that they had. Like David said, yep. they just apparently this timeline has been going on. Yep. And there's just something weird, you know, going on. And they're like, what's that? Red alert. And they're just doing their thing. Troy is also gone. She is in this episode in the very beginning. She's on the bridge when the temporal distortion first appears. And she's just looking concerned. And then at the end, she also is just looking concerned. And that's it. She has no speaking lines. And somebody wrote a fanfic um, positing the theory that because the Klingon war had been going on for so long, Beta Zeds had been like wiped out. Oh so my God. She wasn't even alive. And I was like, I somebody wrote this fanfic clearly after this episode. Aired. Right. But I thought that was so brilliant. I was like, I'm 1000% willing to go with that. Let's, let's yeah, go with that. I think that it's is, awesome. That's kind of horrific. That's a really dark twist for a fanfic to take. But that explains it. And man, thank you people who write fanfics because you answer you. all the questions we have about yeah, what I, is I going have, on. I have a lot of headcanon about who knows who and how things came about in this timeline. Please, please. Well, so, well, let's, let's wait and we'll get there. We'll get there. It's, it's later on. <laughs> okay. You tease. Okay. I know, right? <laughs> So we go, we go back to 10 forward and we see Guinan and her outfit has changed. It's the same uh-huh. exact outfit. Well, not same exact. I think her hat is a little bit different, um, but it's purple or no, it's blue. Now it was purple and it's blue or the opposite. Did it change but color? Oh it my changed God. Color. Yep. Yeah. All yeah, the like things I navy. noticed, I did not notice that change. Dang. Which is funny because okay. that's the only thing I noticed. I didn't notice any of the other changes that you <laughs> mentioned. I noticed the color was blue and I noticed that Guinan's outfit had changed all the other stuff. I'm like action belt. I'm going to go back and watch it. 
<laughs> oh my God. Sharice, we have about two and a half hours of more stuff to tell you <laughs> difference that I missed. And yeah. I mean, this is, a, this is clearly going to be a supersized episode because we have so much to talk about, but for those of you who have watched it and are listening to us and didn't notice all these differences, go back and watch it again. It's such a fun watch. I don't know anybody who doesn't love this episode. And then when you get to see all those little extras, you're like, Ooh, Ooh, Oh my God. Like, it's just so (laughs) the thought it's like going to Disneyland. I notice all the details and I nerd out about the details. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, I love it. I love it. They probably Um, didn't spend a whole lot of money on this episode as far as special effects. Cause well, we'll get to the fighting space scenes and they're not, they're, they're underwhelming. Let's just say, yeah, but, but, uh, costuming was over the top because yeah. there's so many people roaming the halls and there's so many different uniform styles mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that, they, that they've added in there that they don't get to use again. The sets had been redressed so much. Yeah. yeah. The, the entire bridge is different. Did you notice the difference in the bridge? Oh, I absolutely did. But let, let's get to that in we'll a quick second. Sharice okay. is looking confused. Sharice, oh girl. I know. Okay, we're going <laughs> to no, catch I, you I did notice, but I'm trying to think of what the, because I, I also did notice the belts. Like I didn't remember it right now as we're talking, but in my notes, it says everyone's outfits are different and they have cool belts. So I guess I did notice <laughs> the belts. You just forgot that you forgot it's, that you noticed it. Yeah. Okay. So there are some, so, so Guinan turns around. Yes. Her outfit is a different color. Thank you for that. I didn't catch that. And she's like, wait a minute. And she's the only one who can sense that something isn't right. Mm -hmm. And she's sort of trying to get her head about her. And she goes about kind of doing her job, you know, clearing tables. And there are some changes in 10 forward. The really cool underlit tables that they have are gone. Those futuristic outline chairs that they have are gone. It is a warship. They're at war. It's just very functional, like shitty metal aluminum chairs and like some plastic tables or something. It's absolutely different. And I love that there are these shipwide announcements that are constantly going. And one of them says fleet formation briefing in main war room at 1500 hours. It's like, you guys have a main war room now. Yeah. Do you have an auxiliary war room also? Like, I'm that's sure pretty- that they do. They probably don't even they- have holodecks. Oh God, no. The holodecks are useless. On a, yeah. Uh, yeah unless no, it's just no. for training no, purposes. That, I feel like, here's my head cannon. They have holodecks because they're, they use them for battle simulation. Yeah. Or, that's what I was thinking. Oh, mm-hmm. That's know, the only thing they could be used for is battle yeah. simulation. It's not or, for like hanging or, out. Or ground troop, because she's talking about yeah. the number of troops that they can haul. So that's true, six thousand, which is a lot, because the ship's complement is one thousand and twelve. That's that's a lot. Well, at um, least it was in the timeline we're familiar with. In t- in a timeline, this however, is the B timeline, yeah. In this timeline, they could have way more on the ship because they're not having kids and they're not having family yeah. members. So yeah. all those extraneous people are not on the ship. Plus, they probably oh, yeah. don't have all the extra, you know horseback riding whatever else is going on that ship you can take all that <laughs> stuff out you can take away That's painting the, paint the arboretum yeah. yeah the arboretum is gone art class is gone <laughs> there's barracks instead of uh, cabins yeah i was gonna say the cruise quarters they must have like multiple you know it's like being aboard like a, a, a seafaring like navy mm-hmm. ship you know it's yeah. like you share you know bunks so well, i can bet they could fit a ton of people in I that guess, ship yeah, you're with right. those changes um and also did you hear when who was it? Was this Picard making a log or whatever? And he was like military log combat yes. day. And it was like, yes, yes, I do have that. And I'll get to it. So Tasha does receive some sensor information about the ship that's come out of the distortion and its designation is NCC 1701 C USS enterprise. So it is the only star Trek episode that contains two enterprises um, in the same. Do you mean like a C and a 
and a D like that. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Because we do have like a time rift one where like a bunch of enterprises show up, but just for mm-hmm. like a minute and then they kind of all go back. But yeah, it's um, the only storyline that like has a, two, basically like a previous version and then the current version, which is pretty cool. And yeah, we come back from credit because they're like NCC-1701C and it's like, bah, 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 you know, it goes <laughs> to commercial. We come back from that. And instead of Captain's Log Star Date, Picard's alter entry is entitled Military Log Combat Date for 3625.2. And I was like, ooh, all these little world building things are just mm-hmm. so great. And we get to see more changes aboard the Enterprise D. Number one, the equipment lockers on the sides of the bridge are replaced with readout panels, more comms and personnel like comm stations there. The command deck where Picard and Troy and Riker sit has been raised up to the same level as the horseshoe console. So access to con and ops was by a series of steps. So you have to like step down some steps to like get to Wesley. And I've noticed also the chairs at the command deck are removed and replaced with a single command chair for Picard, which I imagine gives his alter ego, this like sense of authority. Mm -hmm. And you have to look carefully, but it's mounted on a much larger and heavier strut. I was like, huh. It's like brace for impact kind of a chair. And there's only Mm. one of them. So Riker has got to go stand back with like Tasha. And they don't have seatbelts. So really, whenever they get hit by a weapon and energy discharge, they're all kind of screwed. Like (laughs) it doesn't really matter if you have a chair or not. Like, yeah, nothing good's happening. They don't have airbags and they don't have seatbelts. My question about that is, as I watched, I watched Data flailing about, and I'm doing that. You can't see that on the podcast, but. Uh, but data is flailing about this by the way david <laughs> listeners david looks like one of those inflatable arm flailing arm guys or whatever that's called the, like you know they use car a lot like inflatable <laughs> flailing arm man but, but that's what data is <laughs> doing mm-hmm. would data's you know solid steel spine allow him to jostle yes but because that- it, imi- it imitates the human spine so yeah, yeah you but- can get away with anything with data you can be like yeah it's um, just like human so that's why <laughs> okay anyway that was a thought that was a thought. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right oh go ahead david well i, w- I was going to say w- when we got the shot of the two ships there nose mm-hmm. to nose it's it's a beautiful ship it's uh it's the the sea i had to look all this up because i'm not i want to be say that i'm a, a real nerd but i'm not uh but it is an ambassador class ship. if you're if you're on the show you kind of are <laughs> i hate yeah, to be the you're... one to break it to you but we okay. love nerds guys we don't let anybody on the show without them party. giving us their bona fides and you have to be a nerd. So yeah, David, you're in the club. One Please of go us. And- One of us. <laughs> Winning. Okay, so, <laughs> so yeah, so so the order we have, of course, uh, is the Constitution class, which was yeah. Kirk. We yeah. have the Excelsior class. And then there was, then this is Ambassador class, C. And then we have Galaxy class. And then later on, we get to the Sovereign class, which is E. Just for the nerd. Oh, that was very good. That was very, I mean, I did not know that. I knew about constitution class. I knew about galaxy, of course, because that's our enterprise. And I remember a little bit something about sovereign class, but I didn't know about the other. That's really cool. Yeah. And Sharice is sitting here with question marks over her head. I didn't know any (laughs) of that, but those names sound so cool. So like mad props to the writers for coming up with cool names. I'm telling you. Building. They are like crushing it with these names. Building. Mm-hmm. Yes. And just and just so you know, the way that works, it's based on the first ship of that class. What does that mean? There was a sovereign ship of that style, and that was the just like the USS Nimitz. 
Mm-hmm. There's a Nimitz, a Nimitz class of carrier because it was the first of that class. So uh, everything okay, is okay. now that class. Nimitz class. Oh, that makes sense. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Thanks so for that. You, that's why you don't have an enterprise class because they wasn't the first one. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. I really like that. Okay. Wow. We are like digging so deep into this. We're going to like get into the core of the earth and like out the other side. I yeah, love this so much. I think so we're much. officially on minute six of the episode. <laughs> We so really we're doing are. <laughs> we're doing <laughs> You guys, if you're in for a long drive, this is the episode for you. All right. So the Enterprise C is sending out a distress call and they were attacked by Romulans and have taken heavy losses. And I love that data is like, huh, they might have traveled 22 years into the future because of like the super string that like was caused by like he's got a theorem at the top of his brain ready. And I was like, wow, usually when data starts like you know, hypothesizing, he usually takes some time and it's usually like halfway through the episode where he's like, we were able to identify some signature markings or readings. Mm-hmm. And I've put that together with what I know. This was like, I've got all the answers right here. Yellow alert. <laughs> I was like, wow. Okay. Da- <laughs> data really went for it. And Picard finally agrees after some back and forth to send a medical away team to help the wounded. And tells Wesley to move to battle alert condition yellow because some Klingon ships are in the sector. I was like, ooh, more amazing world building. This is yellow Mm -hmm. alert, but it's battle alert condition yellow, which I was like, hell yeah. And Wesley's got his commission because of course he would because it's wartime. We don't have any time for this. on the ship. Exactly. Acting instant nonsense. Bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have time for that at all. Um, So the away team goes on to the sea and they find Captain Garrett. And I wrote a woman captain. Woo! I, know, I was so I happy. Know, I know. I was so, so happy. Excited too. And she was competent and she wasn't all like, I don't know what to do. Like they did not write her. She as wasn't like, like men were writing women in the 90s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. She's she's just very competent. She cares she's just about her like leadership. a normal captain, yes. <laughs> but female. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the secret to news writing alert. good women. Yeah. News alert. We are competent and we don't have to cry and paint our nails at every corner. Okay. Like <laughs> why do men write people like that? I don't understand. Okay. Whatever. That's just my rant. Well, but what were so, you going to say? Wait, David was well, going to say something. I actually wrote uh, this. This is very high on the Bechtel test. What is that? The Bechtel test is looking at a film or I guess television show, mostly film uh, and how women are portrayed. Do oh. they only interact about their man? Or do they act act with agency? Yeah, you need to look that one up. Oh my god! I, how do we not know this? This is like this is what this is what we talk about every time we talk about TV. I'm or just movies. like embarrassed that we, as two women of agency, didn't know about the Bechtel test. That's so okay, because we talk we talk about the Bechtel test. We just didn't know what's called that all yeah. the time. Right? We're always <laughs> yeah. talking about that because and- if the answer if the answer to all of your motivation is love. You can fuck off. I hate that mm-hmm. so much. Excuse 100%. my language. But that is just the, you know, that was the ending to Wonder Woman. And it was like this. Okay. You know what? This I'm cool. Amazing. Powerful. Ugh. Beautiful. Oh, no. It's just because she got a, a boyfriend. Oh, okay. No. Nope. Nope. I'm, I'm done now. Yeah. I'm so now done. This, yeah. this captain was wonderful because she was just a captain. She was a captain yeah. who happened to be female. They didn't do any weird stuff with her character. And I really, really appreciated that. They did squeeze in a love story with Yar. Not totally sure why, um, but it does add more dimensions to her because we need her to be more than just, you know, firing phasers. We need her to have some well, more I think, stuff. 
I think the emotional attachment she gets, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, is the biggest part of her motivation to go over there. She also is needed aboard that ship because she has the most tactical knowledge, but she may not have been so quick to like jump over there if she hadn't created a bond with someone that she's like, I actually really care about this person and I don't want them to go back and me like stay here, especially when I'm needed there. Like her being needed there was like this bonus where it's like, also, you can't deny that I'm being that I'm needed over there. But like her big thing was like, I'm worrying about my friends. I'm worrying about like this person I've met. Yeah. So I think that like, yeah. And I don't want that. I don't want her motivation to be, she saw a cute boy and that's why she killed herself. Like, I don't want that to be it. But I think the bigger part was when she was talking to Guinan and I know we're skipping out of order, but it doesn't matter. Cause we're already 70,000 light years <laughs> into this episode. The bigger part was that Guinan was telling her you don't belong in this timeline. So she already mm-hmm. felt like I shouldn't be here. And yep. then it was like, and I'm needed and there's a cute boy. So like there was some stuff, but the whole fact, like, why did we need a cute boy to motivate her to like do that? That, that kind of, that irritated me a little bit. It was 1990. Because I feel like that's just not necessary. Like, I feel like if it was Jordy, <laughs> if Jordy did the same exact thing, it wouldn't be because there was a cute girl on the other ship. Like that's why he went and left the enterprise and da, 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 you know, like, yeah, but whatever that for that's- him would have been the bonus, not the purpose. Yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, but I think you're right, David, it was 1990 writing. And I think it was very forward thinking for 1990 writing, but still 1990 writing. Um, All right. So the way team finds um, Captain Garrett and she's in bad shape and she's got to go to sick bay and enterprise D and they also find a helmsman, Lieutenant Castillo hiding under some rubble, (laughs) which I thought was like, what are you doing under there? Buried under some rubble. (laughs) (laughs) And he's played, he's played by Christopher McDonald. And I always see him and I go, Shooter McGavin. (laughs) Yeah. From Happy Gilmore, which was like, (laughs) that came out when I was 18 and like, you couldn't walk anywhere on the planet without having somebody like recite Happy Gilmore lines back to you (laughs) or you to them. So Shooter McGavin is in this episode. And I thought that was like the best thing ever. It's one of my favorite memes. The greatest golfer of all time gets to meet Tiger Woods when the two of them are in a picture together. <laughs> yeah, I did see that. I did see that. And he goes, shooter. He just says his own name and like thumbs up. Himself. Yeah. 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 You can see all that, right. but they're doing the little gun. We're doing with finger guns. Yeah. We're doing, doing finger, finger guns. guns. Yeah. <laughs> the only kind of guns that are acceptable in my opinion, finger guns. All right. So, <laughs> all right. So Guinan is like, this isn't right. We're not supposed to be at war. And she's like, there's even supposed to be children aboard. Of course, at which Picard balks. And he's like, Guinan, we're at war. And she's like, no, we're not. We're not supposed to be. That ship is not supposed to be here. This timeline is wrong and they have to go back. And it's, that's, that's a big, bold ask. statement. Mm-hmm. That's a big ask. Um, and we jump to sick bay and Beverly is trying to stabilize Captain Garrett. And I love, and I don't know if you caught this, Cherise, but the um, main shipwide announcements that are going around, this one says, Dr. Salar, report to da 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 And I was like, ah, she's Dr. still Salar's there. Yay. I totally, I didn't hear any of the ship's announcements at all. I just, it was just white noise in the back, which was kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it like gives, it, it creates like that sense of realism, but yeah, I was like, Dr. Silar is still there. I love that little throwback. Oh, I love Dr. <laughs> Silar. She's so great. There, at another time, there is a Lieutenant Barrett report to whatever. And that read the little tidbit about that saying that was a, a toss to Majel Barrett. Majel Barrett. And, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. good for her. Like, yeah, I was like, there you go, girl. Like, I because she that. wasn't the computer. This is the, this may be the only episode where she's not the voice of the computer. Really, if she wasn't even, the if, voice of the computer. I don't. She wasn't making the shipwide announcements, and I don't oh, remember right. hearing the computer talk. Oh. oh, they might not have asked the computer anything. Yeah, right. Interesting. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. Now, that how is, is it that we notice when Majel Bear is not on the show? but we don't notice when Troy is not on the show. This is the problem <laughs> with writing here. Because Rachel Barrett should not be the focus. But we were like, oh my gosh, she wasn't there. Troy also wasn't there. Oh, interesting. Yeah, now we're good. So Captain Picard ends up breaking it to Captain Garrett that they've come 22 years into the future because she's noticing like the sick bay is crazy advanced. The uniforms are different. She's like, what is going on? By the way, loving the 22 years in the past uniforms with like the mm-hmm. little shoulder strap that ties that that like muted like maroon color it's just so nostalgic those are from wrath of khan era they're they're at least as far as props but they basically just took off the turtleneck from from the outfit ah, and repurposed those that's why they i guess amazing. i haven't yeah i guess i haven't seen wrath of khan in like 22 years <laughs> <laughs> since the time rift <laughs> One of the things that I really love about Captain Garrett is she's she's just such a cool captain. I almost want like just an episode with just her and her ship and yep. her crew because yep. she's just so cool. She's just such a cool person. I like how I actually like how stubborn she is, mm-hmm. even though it's like, why are you stubborn? You're making this harder. But the fact yeah. that she's stubborn is like because she's a Starfleet captain and that's how they all are. Like, that's yes. why she's a captain. She's like, excuse you guys better tell me what's going on and tell me now. You know, like even when she was on the bridge of her own ship bleeding out and they wanted to transfer to sick bay, she was like, I'm not going anywhere until I get some answers. What? Yeah. Tell Girl, me what if you yeah. don't get to sick bay right now. But you're like, dead. Yeah. She's like, no, I don't. I don't move until I choose to. And I kind of like that. Well, yeah. she, she's a Starfleet captain, she, just like all the rest of them. She has faced the Kobayashi Maru. So she does not she's not willing to accept the no win situation. She's. Yep got to go back and fix her ship and go back into battle and do what mm-hmm. needs to be done. And when he tells her, you've got to go back, she's like, wait a minute, that is a no win scenario. I'm not going to take my crew into a no win scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Card confides with her that like, I trust Guinan with my life. She has a sense about things and she says that this is wrong. And that's when Garrett is like, all right, you know, like she is more willing, but we're not quite there yet. So it turns out that Captain Garrett and the Enterprise C was responding to a Romulan attack on the Klingon outpost Narendra 3 when they suddenly saw like a flash of white light and they there they were like out of the distortion and the Enterprise D was ahead of them. And Picard tells her like the Klingon outpost on Narendra 3 like was destroyed and it's regrettable that you weren't able to save it because we've been at war with the Klingons for 20 years and it could have spared 20 mm-hmm. years of war, which is like, uh, and poor Garrett kind of puts her head back on the pillow, like, oh God, you know, and I just so felt the same way. Like Picard, mm-hmm. maybe that wasn't the right sentiment at that moment. But you know what? The at the same bled time, out, you know, <laughs> bled out again. At the same time, <laughs> this is this is war. This is not time yeah. for Picard to be cuddly and soft because normally, you know, he would call in Troy and she would hold their hand and say, I'm so sorry to have to tell you this news, but no, we're at war. We don't have time for that. So it's just like all cards on the table. Here's what's going on. This is the situation. And more clear information, the better. So it actually makes sense that he would just tell her this is exactly what happened. And he kind of said like that sparked the war, like not that specific colony, but 
that's the time when the war first started at that same time. And so it's just like, I mean, it's, it's terrible news for her to hear, but why would he yeah. keep that from her? Why would he keep anything from anybody at this point when they're so yeah. close to the end of the Federation? And yeah, really close to the know end. It. I, yeah, I dubbed, absolutely. I dubbed him for this episode, Hard Picard, because <laughs> he's, he's just making decisions left and right. He's like willy nilly. Hey, we're going to do this. And, uh, and then, of course, hard Riker, Picard. Riker is pushing back hard on him. They're yes. really at each other's throat. They're not buddies. Well, did you notice that not one time in the alternate timeline did Picard refer to Riker as number one? He called him commander every single time. There is no closeness between them the way there is in the timeline that we have now. And I was like, huh, he never even refers to him as number one. There's no confiding in him. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like push back from both of them. It was really interesting. And again, um, it makes sense if it's wartime. They didn't have time to like maybe get to know each other in in a casual way because they've just been in survival mode for 20 something years. So when Riker comes onto the ship, I'm sure it's just like, great, we got a new commander. Let's keep it moving. All right. Now Mm -hmm. we're going to this battle. Now we're going to that battle, especially being the flagship. So they're the first into battle all over the galaxy, all over the Alpha Quadrant. So, um, yeah, I did notice that there was just this tension between them and Mm -hmm. Riker was kind of like questioning everything that Picard was doing and. Yeah, it was it was really weird. That was a nice touch to show that this is definitely a different timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Hart Picard, I think, is very funny because who doesn't love a good rhyme? But it's very, very apt. I love it. Um, so aboard the Enterprise C, Castillo is trying to wrap his head around this like 22-year jump. Is my family still alive? Will they even recognize me? Will I even mm-hmm. recognize them? And Tasha you know, being the warm and fuzzy type response of like, what are your stats looking like over there on that panel? And this poor man's <laughs> having like an existential crisis. Tasha's not the one to help to help him through that crisis. She's not she the one to be like, definitely again, not. Again, we have no Troy in this episode. So it's just like, <laughs> yep, that sucks. So anyways, uh, I think the Klingon ship might be on its way. So let's yeah. go ahead and so keep need- it moving. Yeah, we need to go, which by the way, I would argue that at a time of war, when tensions are running really high, it would help to have a Beta Z on your team to like right. give you the upper edge. Like but they were they all wiped out in there. They were all wiped yeah. out, remember? So. Well, according to a fanfic, but whatever. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to go with that. They were yeah. all wiped out. But even yeah. if not, we also <laughs> talked about before how mental health, although they had the counselor on the ship in this show, which sounds like they were like highlighting the importance of mental health. It was still like the eighties and the nineties where they were, yeah. this was not a thing in America. We did not appreciate value or esteem mental health at all. So it's like kind of a missed opportunity on the show because there's so many episodes we look at where we're like, I think they should talk to Troy about that. You know, we're like, yeah, they just thought they were on fire or they were just kidnapped or whatever. And you're like, they, I think they need some counseling before they just go back to duty, but they always just go back to duty. Um, yeah. yeah. So I would agree with you. And I would say the writers would have never put in like, Hey, we're at war. We probably need some counseling. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's true. Well, I guess I just figured it wasn't a mental health thing. It was like Picard, he's bluffing. And then, you know, Picard would blow him out of the sky. So that would have helped, but whatever. Now, (laughs) aboard the D Enterprise, Data and Picard figure out what happened to cause the temporal rift. And they're like, okay, if the Enterprise C goes back through, she'll be right back where they were in the timeline. And there is no chance of surviving the Romulan attack because there were four warbirds to the one Enterprise. And then we see Tasha taking Castillo on a tour of the Enterprise D, and she says she's been on board for four years. Mm-hmm. But as we know, 
She was only aboard for less than a year before she was killed because the pilot episode was the maiden voyage of the ship. So right. I was like, huh, okay. So she like would have been on the bit. ship for three years if yeah. she hadn't have died. But it's been four yes. years, so something different is going on. Exactly, exactly. It's just like further highlighting, like this is a little bit of a different world. And then we get to the scene that I really love and I cannot speak highly enough of. It's when Guinan comes to see the captain again and he asks her to elaborate on this gut feeling of hers. And she says she can't only that she knows that this war isn't supposed to be happening. This timeline isn't even supposed to be happening. And he has to send the enterprise C back, even if it means sacrificing their lives. And he's like 125 people will die. And she's like 40 billion people have already died in this war. That isn't supposed to be happening. And he kind of blows up at her. And she levels with him in this way that is so beautiful and so perfect that I actually have the clip to play for you guys. This is Guinan's response when Picard loses his shit. We've known each other a long time. You have never known me to impose myself on anyone or take a stance based on trivial or whimsical perceptions. This timeline must not be allowed to continue. Now I've told you what you must do. You have only your trust in me to help you decide to do it. And that's it. It's just so perfect and convicted. And she's so, I don't know. It's just, she's so direct. And yet the scene itself is so nuanced that she's really leveling with him in a way that I think Guinan can, where she's kind of calling him out like, you have never known me to pull BS. So when I'm telling you this is wrong, it's because it is. I can't explain it to you because I can't explain it to myself, but I just know it is. So you know what you have to do. I have a question here. Who do you know in your life that you would trust with that type of change? That is an amazing leap of faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because ultimately, they're going to die. Yes. He's probably going to get killed. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing leap of faith that I don't know that I don't know of anybody in my life that I would put that much faith in what they're telling me, even if I knew they were right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think for myself, there are probably two people I would do that leap of faith for. Um, my husband, who I trust his judgment, and Sharice, actually. Because hey, Charisse, hey, that's me. Yay! Sharice is kind of like Guinan in that sense that she doesn't... Sharice, you don't, like, do things to be dramatic or, like, silly or, you know, like, create tension when there doesn't need to be any. You're very direct, and I've always known you to be incredibly honest. So if something like that were coming out of your mouth, I'd be like, well, damn. <laughs> I guess we're going back. <laughs> I don't know. That's Those are the two people for me. If my mom said that, I'd be like, drink your prune juice. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you have someone in mind, David, or did you just, were you just thinking about this? No, I just I just feel like it, you know in that room when you know when they were acting against each other, um, pulling these just this deep mo- moment off. It's yeah. just it's really heavy, like you say. I, I do have a question about this though. So this I mentioned earlier, there is some paradox that goes on. 
this is a double paradox moment. You want to get into this now or? Please. Okay. How long has he known Guinan? Mm-hmm. Aha. Should Guinan be alive? Spoiler. Ah. Now, why would you think that she would not be alive? Uh, because in Time's Arrow, mm-hmm. she goes back saves, in time. She mm-hmm. di- was. He she would have died in the. She would have died in, in the, the cave, cave in the eighteen yeah. hundreds. If he didn't go back, but he went back because of data. But he right. wouldn't have and gone it, back because of data if there was a war with Klingons. Right. Yeah. And explore. Yeah, that was explorer Picard, not military Picard. Not hard Picard. Yeah. But, not hard Picard. But I would say also that in this timeline, notice the crew complement is very similar to what it was in the other timeline. So we still have Crusher. We still have Wesley. We still have mm-hmm. Jordy. We still have Data. So this could be one of those arguments for like convergence timelines, right? Where even in a different timeline, and who knows what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, these people who were meant to be together will still find each other and will still be together. Yep. So I would yep, say that's... probably they didn't meet the same way. It's probably what I would say. They, they, maybe they, they, yeah, maybe they met a long time before and they, they really not have met that way. Yeah. They could yeah. not have met in the same way with that cave because that cave, yeah. because Starfleet is going to be destroyed in six months. There will be no yeah. more Picard. So yeah. they could not have done it that way, but I could say that they met some other kind of way because they had mm-hmm. to meet because they had to be together. Good question. Just, just a thought. I, I love that thought. This is why you're so great to have in this episode, because these are good <laughs> things to think about. The other the other thing that I, I would say I really, really love is that while some of the crew dynamic are different, like Picard and Riker, I mm-hmm. really love that Picard and Guinan still have a deep and inherent trust in each other mm-hmm. that is beyond question. Um, and I love that because if she were to say this is wrong, this should not be happening. And he's like, bah, you know, and just kind of goes <laughs> off and does his own thing. Then we wouldn't, it just would be completely different. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, and there is a theory that it's not necessarily just Guinan's people who have like this kind of like deeper knowledge of like time that goes beyond linear time or extra sensory ability, right. That data yes. has posited like, well, her people may have different senses than we do. Yes. Somebody actually hypothesized that because of her time spent in the Nexus in Star Trek Generations, she's sort of in this like infinite like space beyond time where like time kind of ceases to exist. And so she has this like, it's just her especially that like has that sort of understanding that like Mm. this isn't the right time. Freaking loving the fanfic on this, by the way. This This is how you know it's an episode that is far beloved because people are writing fanfics to explain the missing Troy, the extrasensory perception of time by kind of like, thank you, fanfic writers. <laughs> yeah, we the, love you. The Thank you, fanfic writers, 100%. <laughs> uh, the question that I had was, would you send them back? Which is kind of the same question of like, would you trust Guinan? But my, yes. I wasn't thinking more about the trusting of Guinan, but I was thinking more of the actual being like, hey, Captain Garrett, so we got to send you back. And by the way, you're not going to make it. Like, and we're not going to give you more arms or we're not going to help you make it because you're not supposed to make it. So get off my ship. Like, I don't know that whole thing. It was just like, how do you even approach that conversation? But I guess if you've been at war for 22 years, having hard conversations about life and death, it's probably not that hard anymore. I don't know. Or maybe it's harder. I'm not really sure. Well, desperation. I mean, Picard's desperate. Mm-hmm. He, he he knows the end is nigh and yep. they're going to the, the flag of the Klingon empire is going to be flying over the Federation headquarters soon. 
And there's this, um, this briefing after he's like, all right, like this is what we're doing. And he's telling everybody the plan. Um, and of course everyone's like, what? <laughs> this is a terrible plan. <laughs> you know, and he's telling everybody the plan, but there's a part where Riker asks him something like, sir, but should we do this? Or like, this isn't a good idea or whatever. And Picard responds with, this is a briefing. This is not me asking for, for consent. And it was like, uh, oh, even that's so not Picard. Yep. Picard's always like options. All right, let's get together. What are your thoughts? How can we do this together? But he was like, no, this is a briefing. I'm telling you what we're doing. And that's like, so not Picard. But um, again, in this scenario makes perfect sense. And then him sharing that we're going to be defeated within six months max. Um, but, you know, one ship's going to make no difference in the here and now. We will be gone in six months, but one di- one ship could make all of the difference 20 yes. years ago. And you're like, oof, that's a good line. Well, and that's, and that's really what he convinces Captain Garrett with. And I love that she's like, maybe we could stay here and help you fight her. So I don't know something. And of course, because it's a, it's a no-win situation, which like you said, with the Kobayashi Maru, she can't accept, but I love that Captain pulls her aside and is like, look, I really don't want to say this, but like we're losing very badly. Starfleet command estimates that will be completely destroyed, you know, in six months or less. Like that one ship having you here is not going to do any difference now, especially with your outdated technology, but one ship could make all the difference 22 years ago and stop this war from ever starting. And at that point, if I were Captain Garrett, I'd be like, we're going back Mm -hmm. because you saving, you know, sacrificing your life to save 40 billion to me is a no brainer. It's mm-hmm. like, okay. So that, you know, I love that, that little bit of like sharing confidences is what oftentimes will like really work when you're trying to persuade someone to do something that they really don't want to do. You know, you bring them into the fold and it's like, okay, now I have a better understanding of like why, you know, why I need to go back. Um, and data does make that point in that briefing that was a briefing and not like a conference <laughs> that even if they die in the attempt to save the colony on Narendra three, the Klingons found value honor above all else. And they would see that gesture not sacrifice positively, and it could prevent the whole war from starting in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that is why I think, aha, that's the linchpin right there. Mm-hmm. Because if you send them back in a no win situation, where nothing is gained from it. It's like, oh What's yeah, no, point? we're not, could just stay we're not going back. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I'll just look up my mom and she'll be 22 years older. And like, that'll be that. But yeah, knowing that like the Klingons would value that above anything else that you could do. That's the perfect race to like die honorably for in order mm-hmm. to prevent this war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, and it's like, all about the honor and, and, and it's customer service. You want to, you want to, you want to give your friends the, you know, your, your folks, the the best customer service you can. And, uh, it, when they, when something goes wrong at your meal, somebody gives you some little token of something. Yep. Yep. You, you, you appreciate that. Yeah. You're not, the, the bad review is not nearly as bad. Yeah. As the free dessert, you could just, you lose a free dessert and you get a happy customer. Exactly. It's like, it's just that little bit. You're absolutely right. It totally is customer service. Okay. So as they're leaving, as they're leaving the conference room, Jordy is talking to Beverly and he's like, God, who knows if we're even alive or dead in this alternate timeline. And Tasha overhears and she's like, rut row. You know, she- let me do it. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, David. <laughs> that was so great because earlier 
when she had was showing Lieutenant uh, Castillo around, they had gone to 10 Ford to get some like ration bars or something TKLs like that or something. Yeah. yeah. And uh, some military rations, which is like, oh, so sad. We don't have ice cream Sundays anymore. But yeah, went to get the rations. And then Guinan had looked at her in a really peculiar way. And she yeah, was just like, like, she's seen a ghost. Yeah. She was like, uh, that's weird. Why was she staring at me all funny? And mm-hmm. then right here, when Jordy's like, are we alive or dead? That's when she puts the pieces together. Like maybe that's why Guinan was looking at me all funny. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's getting the absolute vibe from Guinan. That's like, mm-hmm. I don't know you. And Guinan came in at the beginning of season two and Tasha died three quarters of the way through season one. one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like they never, their paths never cross, which I think this is actually a really, really cool way to get like the main, you know, to get Guinan and Tasha to interact. And she's like, she goes into the um, turbo lift with Data and she's really thinking and Data's like, well, I see by your facial expressions, you know, are you preoccupied? And she's like, I'm thinking about my friends. Um, I met, basically like I met a boy (laughs) aboard the other ship. And she says, Quote, he's nice. I like him. And I went, uh-oh. <laughs> That's where the writing fell apart. The writer went to go take a bathroom break and Junior stepped up to the type, it, you know, the keyboard and like typed up that line. <laughs> I was like, he's nice. I like him. Okay. All right, Tasha. Not a deep thinker, but all right. Um, <laughs> so she has to go say her goodbyes to Castillo. And a Klingon bird of prey attacks the Enterprise C. And Captain Garrett is killed by some shrapnel from a phaser hit right to the head. Ugh, I knew she was too good to last. They always mm-hmm. kill off the like really great, like guest captains. Mm-hmm. Such a bummer. At least when they're women or minorities, that's when yes. they, that's when they yep. just, they don't make it. Um, nope. You can kind of almost, almost tell from the beginning, like, actually I've predicted that a few episodes where I've been like, oh man, they're not going to, oh, there they go. Um, but she was so, <laughs> but I I had high hopes for her. I thought for sure she was yeah. going to make it. Why wouldn't she? And then yeah. she's dead. And I felt like that was totally unnecessary. They did not need to kill her off. Yeah. To, what, what was the point of that? Just to show like, this is a really dangerous situation. Like we knew that. Um, yeah. But I don't know. So yeah, that, she. That, it adds to the yard decision. Right. Because yeah. she wouldn't need to go if this captain was still there. She wouldn't need to go help her boyfriend. Theoretically. He's nice. I like him. Um. (laughs) So can we talk about the boyfriend just for a second? So they're in 10 forward. They're in 10 forward. And he's like, everybody calls me Castillo, but uh, my mom calls me Richard. Yeah. I sure would like it if you would call me Richard. That was so weird. Was like, that was pass, some 1990s pass. ass writing. That right was the there. same person who wrote, He's nice. I like him. Oedip- Oedipus <laughs> Rex, much? I mean, yeah. it's like, really? You're so cute. Just like my mom. <laughs> End of date. Walk away, yeah. Yar. Walk away. I mean, it's never worked for me. I'm just but saying. Your mom calls you Richard. <laughs> Can we get another name? <laughs> you know what? Richie. I'm also not calling you. I mean, you Richard. literally anything but Richard. Yeah. I will not call you what your mother calls you. No, thank you. No, thank you. And then when she's um, kissing him when he's on the transporter and they're like kissing on the transporter pad before he goes over to his ship, I was like, well, that's got to be awkward. The transporter operator is like two feet behind <laughs> you. And you're just like, Therese, well, two feet. He, he's like eight inches. He's like, yeah. I can practically participate in this kiss if I lean forward a little. Y'all couldn't do this in the hallway? And I get that, you anything. know, it's the future. So maybe public displays of affection are different. But I just felt like, wow, this Girl, not on a so warship. awkward. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. I was like, oh, this is awkward. He's just like, all right, the transporter's ready. And they're like, so, 
So guess you're going back. Guess what is going on right now? Yes. Yep. That was weird. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's all just, <laughs> it was just, ugh. Yeah. So Captain Garrett has died because of forehead shrapnel. Which and was so, awful, by the way. I was so like, why did they awful. put it in her forehead? Yeah. Yeah. There was, was like a, it was like a saw blade. Yes. Yes. And you know lava what? rocks I, bouncing yeah. all around the. <laughs> Where did the lava rocks come from? I don't understand. Do they have an arboretum on the bridge? That was in, that was in the, the C version of the Enterprise had lava rocks in the bridge to help with conduction of heat. I don't know. But yeah, that was, I remember being like, that was so graphic. That was actually shocking to me when I saw a huge chunk of shrapnel sticking out of her. Oh, yeah. I was like, wow, oh, yeah. they couldn't yeah, put that intense. anywhere else. There, I, I did do um, a little reading about that specific shot. Um, that piece of shrapnel was like a broken piece of like a wing of some sort of like um, model spaceship or something. And they actually used that kind of same piece multiple times in other characters' deaths. So like it has like some history to it in like props world and TNG, which I was like, well, that's pretty cool. But they, I think she was the first one to get it. But yeah, Lieutenant Castillo is like, I'll take command of the Enterprise C. And everybody's like, no, you can't do it. You're just a lieutenant. It's like, dude, I'm the only senior bridge officer left who else alive. you got i am the only one alive <laughs> like, i am not a choice i am a lack of options that's- yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you need to make that, that a t-shirt <laughs> yeah that's dating advice 101 <laughs> <laughs> that's what he was telling tasha he's like that's, I'm not a yeah choice. that's <laughs> the shirt he was wearing underneath his uniform <laughs> which is why she made out he with just him rip it open time to time yeah 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 so yeah and then Riker's giving him pushback like no don't go back just stay it's like Riker listen the ship needs to go back in order to prevent all of this from happening but if you're wrong guess what doesn't matter because even if you're right these like Klingon ships are here now and will quickly destroy both ships so either yeah. way no one's walking away from this yes. right now yeah although he was kind of the voice of reason being like Guinan's got a feeling what the hell does that mean? No, no, no. Like, and I feel like I oh, would he was right about you know, that, but yeah, but, Guinan, Mike, but Picard said this is not a, a conference. Like, this yeah, is not a discussion. Yeah. 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 Go ahead, Guinan, the only civilian on a battleship. Yeah. They still need a bartender, exactly apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You still need, you need somebody to make the ration cubes because the replicator can't do it. Question mark. Yeah. <sighs> going back to that, going back to that discussion, why wouldn't the rest of the crew like, take Picard down Beverly. You've got to find him crazy because he's making a really dumb decision here. Yeah. Well, but it wasn't all Picard's decision. It wasn't like he decided I'm going to send them back and he remote controlled the ship back through the rift. True. He said they should go back and he convinced Captain Garrett and he didn't have to convince her. He just told her, look, if you go back, you could change all of this and save lives. And she goes, you know what? Honestly, most of my crew wants to go back. I've talked to my crew and almost all of them are ready to go back. I couldn't stop them if I tried. So it wasn't like Picard was being a dictator here. It's just that he wasn't open for discussion among his senior staff. Like it usually is. It's usually like, Mm -hmm. let's all come together, bring our heads together, solve this problem. He was just like, no, we've decided this is what we're doing. And Captain Garrett was like, yeah, my crew is on board. They all want to go back. We're going. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. really it was just following orders. And so for Castillo, he's part of that crew who was gung-ho to still go back. So he's yeah. like, yeah, we're still going to complete our mission. We're not going to well, stop. And, and we're also applying regular timeline regularities to alternate timeline. We're assuming that Picard asks for that input on a regular basis. I yeah. bet he has a lot more directive meetings than he does. 
what do you think meetings? Yeah, I have a feeling that he never does the what do you think meetings based on the way he was like, this is a briefing. And though they don't call it the observation lounge, they call it whatever you said, Andrea, the the military lounge or whatever. Yeah, the like, battle, the main war room. Yeah, yeah, the main war room is not. I'm sure that the what do you think is more of a like, should we attack them this way or this way? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but not like a what should yeah. we do? Question mark. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Well, Yar is pretty freaked out by everything that's happening. And she's like, I need to go talk to Guinan, which is a very good move. And asks her about the look that Guinan gave her when she was in 10 forward. And Guinan informs Tasha that like, cause she's like, Guinan, we've known each other a long time. And Guinan's like, we have not, we're never supposed to meet. Mm-hmm. We, we don't know each other in the other timeline. I don't know how, but like, I just know that this is wrong. And Tasha kind of pushes her to find out like, well, where, if I'm not here, then where am I? And I love, and this is Guinan to a T she levels with you, but in a way that's gentle enough that you're not like, what the hell? You know, she's like, you're supposed to be dead. I don't know how, but I know it was an empty and meaningless death. So yeah, Which was you're the not perfect way to, to put it, here. right? Because she could have just said, you're dead. I don't know how you died, but you're dead. And that could be it. And that could be like, oh, that's really disturbing. But to add that piece at the end, that's what makes this episode such a such a much better do-over for the fans of the show. Yes. Is, the, yes. is that piece where she said it was an empty and meaningless death, which yep. is just not the way that Yar is just like Worf, just like so many characters. You're like, that's not how they're going to go out. It's not going to be some empty, meaningless, stupid thing. Yep. And then at the end, when she chooses to go over to the other ship, you're like, yes, this feels good. It feels right. It gives us the chance to say goodbye to this character mm-hmm. um, in a way that feels like not insulting to our intelligence. Yeah, alternative timeline doesn't change her base motivation. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Duty, and- honor. Mm-hmm. Sacrifice. Oh, no, that's that's per- it's such a perfect answer for Tasha, because that's all she really needs to be like, OK, it's really Guinan that tells her, like, you're not supposed to be here. And that's why she's like, well, where am I supposed to be? And when the answer is dead, she's like, well, I don't really love that. So maybe I'll just pop over to the Enterprise C and try to help them out because this is not, I'm not supposed to, I don't belong here. And so mm-hmm. she goes to Picard to request a transfer to the Enterprise C and he's like, nope. And they have this impassioned debate and she, and he finally grants her the request. And it takes a little bit of convincing but Lieutenant Castillo finally welcomes Tasha aboard. Wait, can and we just talk about that conversation for a second? Because there was a, a nice moment in there. Um, when Yar is talking to Picard, she tells him because he's just like, no, you're not going. And she's like, but I'm I'm great at my job and tactical and they need that because they're going to yeah. war zone. And he's like, we're in a war zone right now. What are you talking about? But yeah. then she says, you know what? I talked to Guinan. She told me I'm not supposed to be here. She told me I'm supposed to be dead. And she told me that it was meaningless. But I want my death to count for something. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, in case you missed it as a fan, what was going on here? She articulated, I want my death to count for something, yeah. which yeah. feels so heroic. Um, at least, you know, in American media and stuff, that sort of a sacrifice feels really, really heroic. So when she says that, then Picard's like, all right, you can do it. And you're just like, yeah, like Tasha gets to go oh, absolutely. on her own terms, baby. Yeah, that was great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Could not agree more where it's like, it's a meaningless death. I don't like the sound of that. I will go to the Enterprise C and we will go back and I will die. But at least my death will count for something. And that's something I can like live with. And I was like, yes, girl. 
yes, like make that decision for yourself. And she, she provided her argument in such a way that Picard was like, well, I really cannot argue mm-hmm. <laughs> with you on that. So it was wonderful. Yeah. I, I think he, I think he based, based the decision more on Guinan than her though. Cause he knew, I mean, well, yeah, yeah. She probably, wasn't the second survive. She, probably the second she said Guinan told me he was like, Oh, well, I mean, I'm already yeah. listening to Guinan about the whole ship. I'm listening to Guinan about the other ship. Might as well listen to Guinan about you too, right? He's not going to start questioning. <laughs> this is not the thing he's going to doubt, right? Of all the things he's already <laughs> argued with Guinan about this thing, he's not going to doubt. He's going to be like, all yeah. right. Now the Enterprise C is moving to enter the rift. And this is where we hit sort of the climax of the episode because several Klingon birds of prey attack both of the ships. And the Klingons are just kicking the Enterprise's ass, both of them. Mm-hmm. Antimatter fields are breaking down. Coolant leak that can't be stopped gives the Enterprise Dio an eminent warp core breach. And I love when we get to see this and you only get to see it maybe three to five times the entire series. When Jordy is like trying to get everybody out of engineering because a warp core breach is eminent and he does the arm swing thing and go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. I love when he does that. It Me is too. just it's so fun. I don't know I why, love but it. it's really fun. And I'm always like, wow, if that explodes, it, the whole ship is going to go. Like, to me, it's just like this nuclear reactor. Yeah. <laughs> and so while he's waving them and they are running into the hallway, I yeah. always think like, I'm Where not sure that's far enough. I think, <laughs> <laughs> like, I think we yeah. need a plan B here when he's like, everybody, t-, it's almost like hide behind that chair, you know, or something. Yeah. I'm like, I, but I do like it's Indiana things. Jones hiding in the damn refrigerator. It's like, where oh do you gosh. think you're going Let's from Let's never bring up that movie ever again. Okay. <laughs> Done. You know We're what? Gonna, I'm yeah. going to go ahead and just scrub it from this episode completely. <laughs> As it should be scrubbed from the world. Well, um, I think they're, he's, they're running from the coolant leak, which that's the, I mean, that's what they're trying to get away from immediately is, is mm-hmm. that's fair. That's fair. All the stuff, all the gases that are coming out. Yeah, that's that's fair. Okay, they're running from the coolant leak. And at the same time, he's trying to eject the warp core so that when it does explode, it won't be right. It won't be inside the ship or hopefully not even right next to the ship. Maybe they could eject it and push it a little bit further away. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be right next to a bird of prey. So it takes out the bird of prey. That would be my move. Yeah. Um, Now, an explosion on the bridge kills Riker. He rolls over dead and he's got that big gash in his throat. And I was like, huh, it's a big gash, but it doesn't look deep enough to kill someone. So I was like, okay, but whatever. It was like, oh no, right. I mean, dead. after the head shrapnel, like I'm cool with the gash that killed him. I'm yeah. cool if he just fell down with no blood well, you know? and, and like hit it and hit his head. Yeah. Yeah. If he <laughs> hit his head and then just stop, if he just bumped his head and then stopped moving, I'd be like, oh no, he died. I wouldn't need <laughs> a sharp piece of metal jutting out of his skull. Like, well, Sharice, if you did not want to see that, let me tell you, Time and budgetary constraints put an end to much more gruesome climactic battle oh, sequence that was originally envisioned for the script. The only death to survive to the broadcast is Riker's death in that in that particular battle. Mm-hmm. But the others that were written but unfilmed included the electrocution of Data. Oh, and gosh. I'm really glad we didn't get to see this, the decapitation of <gasps> Wesley Crusher. That is her. How would you, how do you decapitate a 16 year old child on uh-huh. television? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Who even thought of that idea? Some Wesley Hayden writer out there I know. was like, once and for all, I'm going to get know. rid of this kid. Yeah. I know how to shut Wesley up. <laughs> Cut his whole head off. Like, well, that escalated oh, oh really quickly. Well, I, I think they should have had, they should have had battle hard Wesley with a, with an eye patch and just, yeah. you know, <laughs> 
like a metal <laughs> eye patch too, like a metal exactly. one. That would have been or like, badass. Or like yeah. scar, like yeah. right? In in Lion King, where he's just got this cool scar right over his <laughs> eyebrow, all the way down his face. And you're yeah. like, man, he's been through down some his stuff. neck. Yeah, you're like, dang. <laughs> That same cut killed Riker, but it didn't kill Wesley because he's battle-hardened Wesley. Yeah, no, he would have been decapitated, which is, I read that and I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. It was like horrible. God, the budget ran out because I think they spent it in all the right places for this episode. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Um, And a Klingon captain, you know, makes a, you know, channels over and demands their surrender. And Captain Picard says, that'll be the day and hops over the tactical console to take over. Meanwhile, the Enterprise C, how did they not position this damn thing closer to the rift? It's like 52 seconds away from entering the rift. Like mm-hmm. get closer to begin with. Okay. But whatever. Um, so well, it's you're, fine. you're missing, you're missing a major moment here. Go when for Picard, it. When Picard stands up and says, let's make sure that history never forgets the name enterprise and yeah. then they go at it. that yes. was that, that's like on every single promo i've ever seen for star trek on like all the reruns and all that stuff that oh really that was a really awesome. good line i like the picard jumping over the rails thing because that's mm-hmm. something that yar and Worf used to do all every all episode time. all the time yep. every episode they'd be like you know what wait a second Whoop. and they would jump even though there's a ramp there that takes mm-hmm. them to the same exact distance yep. with yep. maybe three steps they would always jump over it <laughs> So I was like, oh my gosh, did Picard just do like a yard jump? And he totally did. And I was like, yeah. okay, he does his own stunts, at least for this one. Cause we know yes. he didn't when he was horseback riding. That was not Picard. No, <laughs> so <laughs> but, not him. But, but this it wasn't guy even was... him when he was painting. Sharif. <laughs> 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 he didn't even do that stunt. <laughs> but yeah, I yeah, love that. I love that. Part. Hard Picard jumps over the console. He jumps over cool. it. And then he makes this great line. Like this was a really a beautiful ending to this episode. Yeah, when he goes, that'll be the day when the Klingons Mm -hmm. demand his surrender. Mm -hmm. So at this point, fire starts engulfing the bridge. And we see finally the Enterprise C enters the rift. And then suddenly, Captain Picard is back to his close-up that we saw at like 2 minutes and 24 seconds. And he's asking for a report. And when he turns around, it reveals that Worf is back. And he's saying that the temporal distortion briefly fluctuated. It looked like a ship was coming out of it, but then suddenly like, it disappeared. So it seems like everything is back to normal. Really quick thing. When the ship first came out of the distortion and we had that shift into like the blue bridge, there was like a fuzzy sound, like visual effect. When the ship went back into the rift, it just was like a quick cut back to normal. And I did a little reading about that. And it turns out that it wasn't planned to have that visual effect. The post-production team put it in there, like after, you know, everything was filmed and they just forgot to put it in the end. So we have sort of like two snaps to like different universes, which was kind of, which is kind of cool. So it was, it was actually an error, but I was like, oh, that's cool. But the error works, I think, because when everything goes back, you're just like, well, of course it did. There was no transition. It just went back. Well, and it doesn't change. It doesn't change on him. It changed. You're looking at the ship going into the hole and then it cuts back. Ah, so you okay. don't need the you don't need the oh you're right mini earthquake you're right so at this point we've assumed you know because everything is back to the way it was supposed to be that the enterprise c you know they were destroyed in battle and like tasha died a glorious death and like that was that and then Gynacol and that the klingons the stopped going to war that yep, saved them from no going war. to war because we wouldn't have had Worf because they would have been at war with the Klingons, yep. but we're not. Yep. So Worf is in the Federation and all is well. And Gynan's back to her well. outfit. 
her previous outfit. Yes, she is. And she calls the bridge to ask if everything is fine. And they're like, Guinan, like you don't normally call to the bridge. Like everything's fine. She's like, all right, cool, 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 cool. And then like closes the comp channel. <laughs> and she seems satisfied with that timeline has corrected itself. And she sits down at the table with Jordy. Here is the catch. Jordy is still wearing his alt timeline <gasps> uniform. Oh no. He's got the Whoops. full collar all the way around. So no special sash, no phaser and all that stuff, but he's got the full collar. And I was like, Gotcha, you son of a bitch. There you are. <laughs> what are you doing in this timeline? Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> He's wearing the full battle uniform, like the the battle collar. And <laughs> oh my gosh. I never want to refer to Jordy like that ever again because I love him. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're referring Jordy. to Jordy. You were referring to the outfit. That's yeah, what you were yeah, talking yeah. about. The outfit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, and then the episode closes when Guinan is like, Jordy, tell me about Tasha Yar. And I thought that was just a very sweet, like Guinan has a memory of what happened. Even mm-hmm. if it's like waking up from a dream and you mm-hmm. don't have all the details, but you've got the feeling mm-hmm. Tasha was there and she knows that like she interacted with Tasha. And I thought that that, re- I mean, for me, it really, really tugged at my heartstrings. It really did. Yeah. Because she came on the ship way after Tasha had already died. So would she yeah. even know about Tasha Yar at all? Would she even know her name? Would she know all the crew members who have gone? Yeah. So I thought I really she would that have, too. she would have. And here's why she's the actual ship's counselor. Yeah. And when they come to talk to her, data talks to her, mm-hmm. Jordy talks to her, Worf mm-hmm. talks to her, because they're still processing th- mm-hmm. this loss, uh, this meaningless loss. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I think that that's perfect. And I think Guyan is the perfect person to ask because she is the only one to retain the memory of it. And I thought that was lovely. Um, so this is where the episode wraps. I will. I have said it at the top and I'll say it again. For me, top 10 TNG episode, if not top five, honestly, one of the, I mean, the writing, the sets, the costume, the sound effects, you know, they won an Emmy for sound, a little tidbit. I forgot to mention it's very subtle and very easy to miss, but in the alternate timeline, when people walk through doorways, the doors that open and close make the sound effect from the original series. It's what? not the TNG door sound effect. Yeah. So every door that opens and closes, it's the TOS, like the original series. And I was like, like, they didn't need to to bother to upgrade that because it works. Nope. It's functional. Let's keep it moving. It's we're at war. We need functionality. Yeah. They don't need flair. Uh, they need functionality. I also noticed the actual, uh, how do you say it? The boatswain's uh, yeah, the, bo- the bosun's whistle. Yeah. Bosun's whistle, uh, which that's from the movies. Yeah, I mean, it does. TOS movies. Oh, they is don't, it really? You don't hear that. Yeah, you don't hear that in, I don't think you hear it in, in TNG other well, times. We've had, it a, we've had it a few times in TNG. We had it a lot in season one. And I think mm-hmm. we've had it like okay. twice maybe in season once? two. And yeah, then I think, we had, I think we had it once in season three before this episode. Because okay. I remember okay, being well, like, we're still doing that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I suspect that the bosun's whistle will disappear by end of season three, maybe because I yeah. don't remember any of it happening in the later in the later uh, episodes and seasons. So. I don't remember um, outside of Encounter at Farpoint, uh, outside of the first episode. That's yeah, the yeah, only yeah, time yeah. when in my memory, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember they did that. And it was like a callback. But then we've heard it so many times since then where I'm like, huh, 
how long do, it's kind of like with Tasha, right? Where I was like, how long does she stay on the yeah. show? You know what? It's the mm-hmm. shorty dress scant uniform where I'm like, that was only in the pilot. Uh, Why yes. are we halfway through season two and they still have those effing yes. shorty scant uniforms in the background? Yeah. So that's where our episode wraps. Do you guys have any final thoughts? David, I'm going to start with you as our guest. Well, it's it's like it never even happened. This episode doesn't exist. <laughs> except for the fact that it does. Yeah. And it's you know, magical. <laughs> Spoilers, ups, it's absolutely magical. And I hate that I'll never get that surprise down the road again when we get to that yeah. that moment. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that isn't that just the thing? Like when a show has such a wonderful reveal and surprise, that first moment you see it where you're like, <gasps> you know, and then every time you watch the episode after that, it's like, here it comes, here it comes. You know, but you never get that. It's like you're unwrapping your bicycle for Christmas as a six-year-old. It's like you are you can relive the memory and you can watch the camcorder video footage of it. But like, the, yeah, what a wonderful thing. And I love that you remember where you were and when you were when you first saw this episode, when it aired like for the first time. I think that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this, is, this is a great all-around episode. Amazing. Cherise? Um, overall, this episode was really good. It kind of reminds me of last week's episode where we had those, it wasn't alternative timelines then, but it was different perspectives about the mm-hmm. same situation. And we saw the same thing from through different eyes. And that's what I kind of feel like this episode is as well. Mm-hmm. By seeing this whole different timeline, we're seeing things through different eyes. And I think, I feel like season three is continuing the pattern that we've noticed mm. of the two episode, you know, chunks where yes. they have a similar theme where it's like this episode and this episode are both about defectors this episode yeah. and this episode is about finding love you know so i feel like that and yeah. i feel like it's just it's just getting better and better so this was a great episode this sets up another uh story arc coming up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and this is and i think this is only our second if we don't count leah brahms which let's not count that this is only our second season arc story arc because leah brahms wasn't a story arc that was like a surprise a character that popped up yeah, yeah, yeah but like this sets up a story arc that's coming up that's only going to be our second one and our first one i was super excited about and our second one i'm even more excited about yes yeah i'm well tasha yar i would say was such a polarizing figure and so beloved and especially especially with yesterday's enterprise the fans really just like wrapped around her like a blanket and just solidified into this like solid, solid fandom of her character specifically. She has not one, but two story arcs Mm -hmm. (laughs) in TNG. I mean, she's got the death that doesn't really count, but like she comes back a few times and like her character is like resurrected. Um, even like in memoriam, like several times. And it's like, wow, this is really cool. Like we keep referring to Tasha because she's still very much in the crew members eyes, like part of them. And I love Mm -hmm. that. Um, David, do you have any pluggables that you would like to plug? Where can we find you? I am generally at David white voice. That is my website, davidwhitevoice.com. And then at David white voice on all the, the major locations, Instagram, Facebook, and the tweet which I rarely do. I found a, I found a message from somebody in January on my Twitter messages yesterday. I was like, Oh, I should probably open this app every once in a while. So don't tweet him. Don't do that. Don't tweet me. (laughs) No, don't do that. So David, I know you're a voice actor and those of you who've had the pleasure to listen to this entire episode have heard how amazing his voice is. David, are you actively open to people reaching out to you about voice acting work or what's the situation on that? Absolutely. Uh, 
my focus is more in like uh, non-fic e-learning. I've done audiobooks, I edit audiobooks, I produce podcasts, wow. those types of things. Uh, you know, open to podcast intros and outros and those types of things. I've, I've I've been doing this for quite a long time and realized, hey, I could actually do it for myself, not just for somebody else. Yeah, David's been doing this since the time rift. So <laughs> that's how you know it's going to be good. That's how you know it's going to be really good. So if you are, especially if you're, you know, a podcaster or something and you want a sick sounding intro and outro, hit mm. David up so you can get your stuff to sound really nice. So for all the times that you're futzing around with your own voice, you can, you at least know when people come to your show, they're going to have a good experience. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I had every single guest that we've ever had on our show will hit us up later and be like, my voice sounds like that. Like it's, just, you know, but I feel like David is not, is going to be the one exception, yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, and, and we've had so many people who are like, I'd love to be on your show, but I don't like the way my voice sounds on microphone. Mm -hmm. I'm self-conscious about the way I sound, whatever. And like, I experienced that the first couple episodes we had where I was like, why didn't anybody tell me this is what I sound like my whole life? But you know, you get used to it and then it's like, whatever. But David, I have a feeling you would not be surprised in the least <laughs> how your voice sounds. I mean, and I hope have... not. I'm assuming you listen to your recordings. <laughs> it took, it, back in the day, it, it took a little time and, and I got a little country in me and I kind of have to get, get that out every once in a while. But, uh, that's once the only thing that frustrates once in a while, you know, how's your so, mama in? Hit David up right now. Like you can get a country cool accent on your show. It's at David white voice. Look him up on all the things on all the things, not Twitter. Do that on Instagram or send him uh message him through his website. David white voice.com. Love thank it. David, thank you so much for coming on and doing what, to date is the longest podcast episode we've ever had. We meandered <laughs> through the park for a while, but it was wonderful to have you and to get to nerd out about this episode that we all love so much was really, really a treat. And we knew that for this episode specifically, we had to have a guest because it's just such a favorite that people want to talk about it. And we, we loved having you. Thank you. I'm very grateful and could not, uh, could not have enjoyed it more. And if, uh, if you need another long episode, just give me a holler. Oh, we will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sharice. I love you. I love doing this with you next week. We're talking season three, episode 16, the offspring, which is also amazing. It's we're on one a good of streak. my favorite episodes because I love data and it's a data heavy episode. Mm -hmm. And we are just like, I mean, season three is crushing it. Yeah. It's like taken off. Every single episode, we're like, this is one of my favorites. This is one of my favorites. But this is one of my favorites. So I'm so excited about next week. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging with us. We will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.